Welcome back, everyone, to Rock and Ramble Podcast. You're here with your host, Andrea. And Victoria. We are back with another awesome band that I think you're going to love uh, to hear about today. We are going to be talking about who, Victoria? Van Halen. Panama. So, we are going to be talking about American rock and roll band Van Halen, known for their heavy-hitting songs with the incredible talent of guitarist Eddie Van Halen and a legendary rivalry between two singers, David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar. So, we're going to start off with the original members. So, when I say original members, it's like these were the four main ones to start the band off, and that would be Eddie Van Halen on guitar, brother Alex Van Halen is drummer Michael Anthony Sobolewski but he goes by Michael Anthony he's the bassist and background vocal for most of the band and then I'm going to start us off with David Lee Roth because he was in the beginning era of Van Halen and he was the lead singer so um, a little bit of history about Van Halen so the Van Halen brothers are actually um, from Amsterdam and their dad was a clarinet and saxophone player, which I thought would be particularly interesting to us. <laughs> so that represents both of our instruments. So yeah, that, that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I thought was interesting, because I always know, or I guess not always known, but at some point for a long time I've known um, Eddie Van Halen was like incredible at guitar. But I didn't know that he and his brother started off on switched instruments. So originally... Alex Van Halen was gifted, um, I think, the guitar and an amp by his parents for like a Christmas or some present. And he was excited about it. And Eddie saved up money from his first little job as like paper boy um, to buy himself a drum kit. And who's older? Alex is older. Okay. And they, not like, maybe it was to an, an extent like in secret or something, but they were kind of switching off instruments when the other one was gone. And then eventually it was like, uh, maybe we should just keep this switched up. Yeah. Like, I'll stay with guitar, like, as Eddie, and then Alex would stay playing the drums. And that ended up working. And that was, like, where they really found what they liked and were good at and things like that. Um, and Eddie got a lot of his inspiration from Clapton, Eric Clapton, and oh, Cream, yeah. the band Eric Clapton was in. So he would, um, like, warm up to Cream songs and just listen to Eric Clapton like crazy. Yeah. And... So I thought that was kind of cool when guitarists listening to another great and how much I mean, Eric Clapton is still great, but just like what Eddie Van Halen went off to do yeah. from being inspired by Clapton. Like that's got to be really flattering for Eric Clapton to be like, huh, you know, well, look at <laughs> look that. What I yeah, inspired. we'll probably I mean, I say probably we're definitely going to do an Eric Clapton. Uh, oh, yeah. Episode sure. cream episode. So be on the mm-hmm. lookout for that probably later when we get more into our groove. <laughs> yeah, I actually heard um, Crossroad the other day, and I thought of Eddie Van Halen because after that, it was like, I went down to the crossroad. So that was Alex and Eddie, a little bit snippet of them growing up and yeah. their influence yes. from their dad and the music that they enjoyed. And then their bassist, Michael Anthony, um, he was interested in all kinds of music. He could play lots of instruments. Even though he could play all the instruments, these other instruments, he wanted to play something different than his friends because a lot of his friends already played guitar and a lot of his friends already played the drum. Mm-hmm. So he chose bass. Yeah. Um, and he also looked up to Cream and would try to mirror the bass in the Cream songs and everything. Oh. So that was before they knew each other. So I thought that was kind of cool having the same like band to look up to and everything. Yeah. Um, 
And then David, David Lee Roth, he was from Indiana, but he would um, visit and like maybe like short term kind of live with his uncle in New York City. And his uncle's club was the, I want to say now famous, but I think, it, I mean, it must have been famous back then too. So the Cafe What, like W H A with a question mark. I feel silly saying that out loud. Like what? there's some words that I feel, what? What? yeah. So um, that's like a pretty big club, especially at that time. Um, Bob Dylan played there and Jimi Hendrix played there. And yeah. I know once further down the line much much further van halen actually did go back and played a little show there oh, which cool. i thought was pretty cool yeah so david grew up loving all kinds of music hopefully that's when david lee roth was with them and it wasn't sammy hagar yeah it was with when he was with them um at that point so a little bit about the beginning of the band so at first alex and eddie van halen kind of started a band on their own and had different you know friends and classmates join in at different eras but they were at first genesis hmm. was their name and then they realized like oh i think there's like this Dang big british it. band named genesis and so they were like mm, that's not gonna work so they had a few other names and one of them was actually um i don't know how long this lasted. i should have looked at that um the trojan rubber company <laughs> so they they the just the like kind of tried out ev- at one point or they like <laughs> threw it around and at that point so it when it's Genesis to this next name change, it's Alex and Eddie Van Halen and somebody named Mark Stone, who was the bassist at that time, the at the beginning. They ended up changing their name to Mammoth. So Mammoth um, is, they're still in like high school or like maybe early college, but they're playing tons of small shows, clubs, parties, high school dances, like they're doing all of it and everybody loves it every it's like they're huge in these little circles and this little small town or not small but small music club scene yeah um and at first eddie was actually the lead singer of the band which i was really surprised because i don't know i just he doesn't strike me as a lead man kind of person like he looks so happy in all the like videos and everything of him just like you know rocking away back there on the guitar and it's just hard to imagine him front and center and carrying the band in that way as far as lead man obviously he carried it in different ways but i just yeah it's weird to see him like that so david um david lee roth was in a different band in the same little circles of like the music scene at that time in california in a band called red ball jet and they're like an r&b influenced rock band and According, so this band is going to be a lot of like, according to him, according to him, oh, it's yeah. a lot of like, Great not on the same page as far as like storytelling. So according to some people, they were like a rival band. Like they both knew of each other and both knew the other one was doing well. Of course, it seemed like Van H- or Mammoth at that time was doing a lot better, but David Lee Roth definitely knew who they were and they knew who he was. And the thing is, though, that... David Lee Roth did see them perform and he was obsessed with the way Eddie Van Halen played guitar. He was he said what he does with his hands. I want to do with my feet. I want to do with my voice, like as far as like performing and like the energy and, Mm -hmm. you know, his vocal talent and stuff, too. And so I thought that was cool, like to whether they really were rivals at that point or not. It's cool to just be like, 
I see like how well he's doing and I want to emulate that in my own way. Yeah. And I think that was really cool to have seen that already. Like at such an early stage in Eddie Van Halen's career. Yeah. To just be like, that is talent right there. Without them even being in the same band yet. Yeah. And so Mammoth, the band, would call David Lee Roth because they did not have their own PA and sound system set up. Oh, okay. But David Lee Roth did and so and his band. So whenever David Lee Roth's band didn't have a show, Mammoth would call and be like, hey, can we use your system? And so two different accounts here again. According to the Van Halen brothers, it was like, ah, maybe we should just add him to the band. It would be cheaper instead of like paying to borrow his stuff. Like it'd be easier if we're just like, you could be our lead singer because you've got like lead singer energy and like all that. And then according to David Lee Roth, it's like he pitched the idea of like I could be the lead singer of your band, so it's again yeah. different accounts, and but eventually, <laughs> yeah, get me and the bonus the benefits of my technology. Order now, <laughs> yeah. So in 1973, he officially joins. In 1974, they changed their name to Van Halen, and that's actually mostly because of David Lee Roth. So at that point, Mark Stone leaves. He was the bassist and he leaves and Michael Anthony joins. And so now this is like the main four for the beginning. A big foundation of Van Halen is these four. It's Eddie, Alex, David Lee Roth and Michael Anthony. Okay. So just like when you spoke about Cinderella, Gene Simmons helping them out in the beginning and trying to get them a record deal. He discovered them at the Starwood and produced a demo tape with them at Electric Lady Studios and tried to get them a deal, but it didn't work. So they went separate ways. But um, Electric Lady Studios is important because it is in New York City in Greenwich Village. But it's the studio that Jimi Hendrix constructed and built for himself in 1968. Some of the greats that have played there or recorded there, I'm sorry, would be Led Zeppelin, The Rolling Stones, Kiss, John Lennon, David Bowie, The Cars, Billy Idol, Santana, ACDC, like, and, and... Again, that's for like the purpose of this podcast. Like that's the genre I'm sticking with, but it went further than them. And currently people like Lana Del Rey and my girl Taylor Swift record there with Jack Antonoff from Bleachers and Fun and, um, oh my gosh, Steel Train. I was going to say Manchester. Yeah. And actually this past summer, um, my husband and I went to Seattle and there was a museum. I want to say it was Museum of Pop Culture or something similar and it was really cool we kind of just ended up there we didn't mean to go there but they had like an electric lady studio exhibit and so you could kind of walk around and they they did like a life-size version of a lot of the different parts and just had some really cool information and you know artifacts from Jimi Hendrix and stuff and it was it was just really really cool so when I saw that whenever I was researching I was like hey I know what that place is I know about it so now I my my niece Michaela, I've told you, lives in New York. Yes. So I just want to be like, do you ever like just walk by to see like who might be going in? Because I feel like if I lived in a city like that, I'd just kind of like pretend to be on my way places all the time and be like, who's here yeah. today? And I just want to see. Okay, so now we're getting into the albums. In 1978, Van Halen releases their first album, and I feel like it's maybe it's not rare, but it's really really lucky in a way when bands hit it off on their first album. So their first album had massive songs like Running With The Devil, Eruption, You Really Got Me, Ain't Talking About Love, and Jamie's Crying. And man, to open an album with Running With The Devil, I feel like is 
like the coolest opener to have and yeah. uh, i just love that beginning i've showed the kids on youtube i pulled that up and showed them because i'm like look at this look at how because it's just the instrumental mm-hmm. and i'm like mm-hmm. look at how his fingers move and he does yeah. this like because he's the one that like made guitar tapping famous is that right or yes. like he okay yes so that is like when you let's say your front hand is your left hand and your right hand is your strumming hand if you were using your fingers to get to like the I'm going to just make them up because I'm not a guitar player. But like, let's say you're trying to get to like the fifth and the eighth fret mm-hmm. and you also want to get to the tenth. It'd be really hard to stretch your fingers from here to here to here when you could use your strumming hand and keep your fret hand on the fifth and eighth and then come over here with your strumming hand and just kind of like not. Well, not buzz. I don't know why I did. That is not what he does. It's actually way cooler than that. But you can do the same notes, to I, I would assume, to an extent. It's just, like, harder to maneuver. And so probably wouldn't be as, like, fast and smooth sounding as yeah. he could make them sound. And he does mostly get credit for the guitar tapping. But I think he's mentioned it. And someone, I mean, I'm sure many other people have noticed. But um, the guitarist from Genesis, the British band, not the one that they kind of almost right. became. Right. Um, Steve Hackett said... Uh, I don't know if I'm the one who started doing that, but mm-hmm. I, I was doing it in 1971, but I don't know if it was oh, me. Like, because okay. I mean, there are probably are so many things in music where you're like, you can never be like, I was the first, like, because music's just been around forever and you, there's no way you could know what every band's doing, you know? So I'm assuming that Steve Hackett was trying to be like, I don't know for sure, but I, <laughs> I know I was doing it pretty but early. I think so. it was me, like that. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. But, uh, Kristen Wiig when she's like um I did it just a little bit better oh Penelope Penelope. oh Penelope Penelope. yeah but I think her name is Penelope in SNL how funny Um, I didn't even connect that until right now I thought that was interesting because he he is the one who made it famous and like or made it bigger okay a bigger thing He, he gets a lot of credit whether rightly or wrongly um for guitar tapping so that one's just massive and of course, leading up to this, I'm like playing tons of Van Halen because I'm trying to go yeah. through each album beginning to end. <laughs> and the one that the kids got the most stuck on was Jamie's Crying. They're just doing the, oh, 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 Jamie's Crying. Yeah, just over and over. And they just kind of are like, you know, coloring or doing something. And they're just like, oh, mm-hmm. like over and over. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so right after that, they went on tour with Black Sabbath. Which I was like, dang, that's a way to hit it out of the ballpark first try. And according to Ozzy Osbourne, he said Van Halen blew them off the stage every night, like as far as like just energy and like excitement for the show and everything. And I mean, that could just be them flattering, you know, because it is still Black Sabbath performing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So their second album, 1979, they started it just one week after their tour ended and they only took it a week to record it. And that was it. I know. That's kind of unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. Now I can't imagine, or I guess I, I just don't hear maybe that much about bands recording in general like that. Um, maybe they do and I don't know about it. But. Especially back then, I feel like you had to take so many takes and like do, pe- like bands were doing different experimental stuff with sound and like trying different things because mm-hmm. there wasn't like the digital things that they can do now. Right. I'm sorry. Whoever, yeah. Yeah. Like, whoever's, like, really proficient in this, they're like, you idiot. <laughs> Don't even know yeah. the terminology. 
their things yeah, I probably that sounded they so dumb just, like, <laughs> describing the guitar tapping but um but yeah so I I thought that was we're just like, fans crazy you guys fast. we're just fans yeah. we never claim to be experts that's all we're doing um so the singles from that one are Dance the Night Away and Beautiful Girls and Beautiful Girls I had to go re-listen to because I couldn't remember that one I remember Dance the Night Away um so those were like the two biggest ones but it it did well, but it wasn't anywhere like the first album. Right, the first album right. was like there, like, pfft, like straight out the gate. Amazing. Um, one thing I thought was funny, I'm going to bring it up because I mentioned they went on tour, was that we know they had girls go, you know, with them backstage after the show or mm-hmm. like, you know, go party with them and stuff. Not crazy, but I thought it was like, I don't know if funny is the right word, but interesting. I don't know. Um, that David Lee Roth would made it something of a competition amongst his roadies in order for them him to get like the prettiest girl so what he mm-hmm. did was everybody got a set number of backstage passes and they had to write their initials on the back and so let's say everyone gets three so you have three girls that you have to go find that you're going to invite backstage and whoever david lee roth ends up with whether it's one or more i don't know <laughs> whoever he ends up with he looks at the back to see who you know picked them and the person responsible for picking that particular p- girl would earn money. So it would either be like, you know, 100 to 200 bucks or something. So it was like an incentive to get the good ones because it's like, oh, shit, I'm going to make some extra money tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and not that it was good. I'm just saying. Yeah. I didn't know there was like a whole system besides you're cute. Come back. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so after that, they have their third album, Women and Children First. And on billboards, it went to number 55 and their like bigger single from that was in the cradle will rock. And it wasn't like a massive single, but it still did. Okay. Respectable. But Mm -hmm. again, not as big. Um, Then their fourth album is kind of known more as like Eddie's album. It went a little bit darker, like it went to a little bit of a darker side and um, it sold more than two million copies. And it was their fourth album called Fair Warning in 1981. It did okay again. But not great. The fifth album called Diver Down, and it's the one I can picture. I mean, it's really easy to picture. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the scuba diving sign, the the red with the white yeah. line diagonally across. This one is kind of known more as Dave's album, funnily enough, because it has five covers. So on the first album, when I told you that they they released the song "You Really Girl, You Really Got Me Now," mm-hmm. that's a Kinks cover. And on the fifth album, where they have five covers, they cover another Kinks song. Where have all the good times gone? So it's the second time they cover the kinks on an album. So David Lee Roth is a big fan of the kinks. Yeah. So we're going to we have to do an episode on them because I feel like they've come up a few times. And they also did Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison, who we have mentioned before in the Tom Petty episode. They did Dancing in the Street by Martha Reed. I had to look up who sung it originally because I can hear it. I just didn't know who sung it originally. But the band that originally sung it was called Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. And then um, two more songs is Big Bad Bill is Sweet William Now and Happy Trails. Yeah. So one funny part was like Eddie Van Halen in one of the interviews, he's talking about like, yeah, that was like more Dave's album and the covers weren't as much my idea. He's like, I didn't imagine playing Dancing in the Street, which it doesn't seem to match like, you know, crazy guitar skills. Yeah. Playing like Dancing in the Street. <laughs> like it doesn't quite go. Yeah. Um, but some singles on that one that weren't in the Billboard charts were Secrets, Little Guitars, The Full Bug, and then out of the covers, it was Pretty Woman, Dancing in the Street, and Where Have All the Good Times Gone. 
And it was the next year that they went to the Us Festival, which is the one that I brought up during the Motley Crue episode that they performed at and they performed horribly and still went on to like do well. Yeah. So at this festival, it was in 1983 and it was created by Apple, like co-founder, co-creator, Steve Wozniak. And Van Halen actually, so they were one of many performers, which I'll go over in a minute, but they are in the, or were in the Guinness Book of World Records because they were paid a $1.5 million for a 90 minute set, which that's a ton of money at mm-hmm. any point. In 1983, that's like huge, yeah. huge amount of money, especially for a 90 minute set. Like that was crazy. And actually a few other bands, I can't remember which other ones were upset, like wait, you're paying them how much? And we're performing like the same amount of time and Mm -hmm. you're paying them that much, which I could understand. So some of the people who played at this festival, they had like four different days. One was a new wave day, heavy metal day, a rock day and a country day. And so not in any order. There's David Bowie, Stevie Nicks, Joe Walsh, U2, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, Scorpions, Triumph, Ozzy Osbourne, Molly Crew, The Clash. I mean, there's just like so many. So it's a it's a huge festival and it sounded like I guess they were trying to kind of recreate Woodstock and one of the quotes I read was like you can't recreate that because it happened so not so organically necessarily but the way it grew right to that was organic because right. they obviously had a plan to have a festival but the way it took off um was a little bit more natural and on its own so i think that was only two years actually but that's just really neat and it was around this time that eddie van halen was the guitarist on michael jackson's beat it song yes so, yeah, I thought that was cool. He recorded two tapes of a guitar guitar solo with the producer, Quincy Jones, who's like huge, huge, huge. And um, he kind of got a lot of shit for it because he did it for free. He didn't get paid for it. He just was like, I wanted to do it. So yeah, I did it. Because like, he just pocketed a million dollars. I mean, well, that and I'm sure like if you're I don't know, I I guess if you're like that talented and you can kind of pick and choose what you want to be like added on to your legacy or like mm-hmm. you know to add your name to and michael jackson at that time was already massive and i'm sure just being like yeah i'll be on a michael jackson song not that he's like michael jackson's doing him a favor necessarily but just like i don't know i i can see being like why why not why right. not just it was two this? big names <laughs> doing something big together yeah and so obviously that album thriller was mm-hmm. huge <laughs> Okay, so that leads us into Van Halen's, one of their biggest albums, especially for that main four group of guys, um, with David Lee Roth still as lead singer. So then they released their sixth album, 1984, and they released it in 1984. And the singles on the Billboard charts are Jump, Panama, Hot for Teacher, and I'll Wait. (laughs) And Jump was actually their first number one. I think their only number one, actually, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm -hmm. Um... So yeah, so Jump was their first number one, which I thought was really cool. And the other songs obviously were huge songs for them because those are like some of our favorites now. Mm -hmm. And the Hot for Teacher song, it did well, but it was the music video that made it even more popular because the music video is very uh, fun. I don't know if that's a word. I don't know. (laughs) It's a fun music video. It's like teacher stripping. Yeah. In their classroom and little Waldo. (laughs) What is that line? It's like, um, I think of all the education that I missed. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) 
I also think I rewatched the video and I love the way so the four guys in Van Halen are like uh-huh. kind of doing choreographed dance. They're doing it like so poorly. <laughs> like, their timing <laughs> is off and like they're not all doing the exact same motions. Or yeah. like, you know, if you're supposed to put a right arm down, like some are putting it a little bit down or <laughs> it's not like really synced right. up well choreography. Crisp. So I thought that was funny. Um, yeah. Just they kind of look out of place doing that and I just, just can't goofy and I can't listen to that song or hear that song without thinking about <laughs> when Craig got his first teaching job, mm-hmm. like right before we got married. And mm-hmm. it was like his first legit teaching job. Um, and I thought I was like being super clever. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Put it on my Facebook status, like, got it bad, got it bad, got it bad. I'm hot for teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, congratulations, <laughs> Craig. <laughs> yeah. Even though he doesn't even like that kind of music, so <laughs> he he's probably hates like, it, but he, he pro- up with it. Yeah, I was like, I don't even know if he knew that song, so he's probably just like, "What the f- <laughs> weirdo? <laughs> I'm not marrying her," but he did. So. <laughs> he yeah. did. He just blocked me on Facebook. He just he blocked me. me on Facebook. <laughs> We're no longer Facebook friends. <laughs> so okay, so the album went to number two when they released it, which was huge because even though yeah. their first album did do really well it didn't do that well this album went to number two it actually stayed number two behind thriller the the album michael jackson released with the song beaded that eddie van halen kind of guest starred on so kind of funny um and it was of course it's just like sad to like look back at these bands and be like ah what were you doing what were you thinking and after this album is released of course they're like peaking so band starts to fray there's tension you know david lee roth is not getting along as well with the rest of the band anymore if he ever really did it's like right now is like falling apart so at this point he's gonna david lee roth is gonna be releasing his own solo album and he left the band after that tour and i I, he was also gonna be like part of a movie and he was like maybe i'll come back after that and they were like no don't Mm -hmm. so a couple of things that i thought were interesting that i did not know before so Eddie Van Halen asked Patti Smith, and this is Patti Smith. I, I should clarify this. This is Patti Smith with a Y. Patti with a Y and Smith with a Y um, to replace David Lee Roth. Not Patti Smith. There's another Patti Smith with eyes instead. Mm-hmm. That's a totally different artist. This is the Patti Smith with a Y is, was the lead singer of Scandal, who um, they had the Goodbye to You mm-hmm. and the Warrior and then she, on her own as a solo artist, was um, saying, sometimes love just ain't enough with Don Henley, who's like, oh. love that man. Um, but I didn't know this. She actually has a version of that song with Eddie Van Halen playing guitar on it. I guess oh. it was never released, but she has a version of it. Um, but she turned them down. She was pregnant at the time and was just like, meh, which that's got to be hard. <laughs> and hard to be a rocker. I, I think that's really pregnant. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this song actually, fr- just a little side note, because we're nothing without our, you know, tangent conversations, um, is that Goodbye to You song by Scandal. My dad um, does not do like Spotify and all these mm-hmm. things. He does YouTube playlists when he yeah. wants to hear music. He just like puts them on in the background. And my kids, like, you know, he watches them. So when he's in like this kind of music mode, he always has goodbye to you on there. And I can like picture her like dancing and <laughs> doing all this. And so my kids are just always around it. And so I know they hear it all the time. Um, 
But that's what I think of when I think of that band. Yeah. And Eddie Van Halen, after, I don't know if it was before or after, actually. I don't know the timeline of that. But he also asked Daryl Hall of Hall & Oates. <laughs> um, that would have been such a different vibe. Yeah. And I, I guess that came out later because Daryl Hall said something like, oh, he didn't want me to, like, say anything. Yeah. Because I guess he knew, like, if he said no, maybe he'd go ask Sammy Hagar. And he was like, uh, it's, it's kind of like you don't want someone to know, like, oh, well, well, don't say anything that I don't want them to know they were second choice or, you know, I didn't go to them first. So I don't know the timeline of it. But anyway, he said no. He stayed with Hall & Oates. Apparently, according to Daryl Hall, their song um, Kiss on My List was partly an inspiration for Jump, like the sound of it, hmm. which I didn't make that connection before. But it's like your kiss is on. But it might be like the synth or something hmm. there. Mm-hmm. yeah but so jump so when you think of the lyrics it's like might as well jump jump and mm-hmm. so, so apparently the lyrics came to david lee roth when he saw or heard um on the news of somebody was going to be jumping off a building and he was imagining that someone in the crowd because there's people watching like wondering what's going to happen that someone in the crowd was like someone's probably thinking like just go ahead and jump like might as well jump and what he says is like he didn't want to use like that form of saying jump he wanted to put it in a positive light and say like just go for it like just Mm -hmm. do it and that's kind of because it does seem like a very positive song so when i heard that i was like well that's not just go for it not yeah in that context yeah in that context it's awful right in that context so, but that's how but, he got the how the idea came yeah, to him, he, and he then took he turned it, it like, positive. Yeah, he okay. made it into a positive. Like, just go for it. Like, yeah, what's the music you video is like very yeah. jump, <laughs> very excited, and yeah. a lot of jumps, a lot of splits. Yeah. So after those two say no to um, being in the lead singer of Van Halen, they end up going with Sammy Hagar, and Sammy Hagar was in a band formerly. Um, a band called Montrose who had been touring and I think they toured with Van Halen while they opened for Journey at one point. So they kind of knew of each other anyways. But um, in that same year, 1984, when they released that album, Sammy Hagar was a solo artist and he released a song called I Can't Drive 55. <laughs> and that song, I had heard the song before. It, never re- it was never one that I like was excited about or, you know, it's just a song that says I Can't Drive 55. But now I will always think of my husband's college roommate and him, they would have like VH1 on, or especially my, the college roommate, Taylor, my friend, um, he would always have VH1 on at night. He'd fall asleep on the couch or whatever after like, you know, hanging out. And that song would always come on like the late night, like 2 a.m. music videos. And so okay. it's just like a funny thing now where they'll sometimes just be like, I can't drive 55. It's just like, <laughs> just this. A silly song now. I, I mean, it's not silly. It's just funny to do a whole rock and roll song about, like, the speed limit. So in 1986, Van Halen released their seventh album called 5150. And this is the first album with Sammy Hagar on it. And it has um, Dreams, Love Walks In, Summer Nights, Why Can't This Be Love. And this album went to number one, which was their first number one album. And... The song Dreams is the one that I, I love that song. I love, 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 love that song. Um, and so the album's named after Eddie's home studio. And I didn't know this part because um, I had read about that. And then one of the articles I read said that 5150 is the name of a studio in the album. 
but it's in reference to a California law enforcement term, 5150, where a person experiencing a mental health crisis can be placed in a like locked psychiatric facility if if they are perceived to be a danger to themselves, a danger to others, or gravely disabled. Hmm. So Eddie Van Halen was like, cool, that's the name of my studio. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And it was at this point that on this album cover, so their Van Halen logo changes. Their logo had been a V and an H, and the top left of the V and the top right of the H kind of veered out to each side just in straight lines. And at this point, it curves back and it forms a sphere. So it's kind of like the VH is almost like the top of a ring and it just kind Mm -hmm. of circles back. So I had never realized that that was like a defining point because I've seen both logos and I didn't know this logo was when David Lee Roth was there. This one was Sammy Hagar. And then their next album um, in 88, their eighth album, was called OU812. And it's the letter and the numbers, those two letters and the numbers, but it's supposed to be the words like, oh, you ate one too, (laughs) those words. And yeah, Sammy Hagar saw that on like a license plate or something and thought it was like clever. And it's been, I don't know if it was before or after, but it's also been in like, I guess some shows and a Cheech and Chong episode, or I mean, um, movie too. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was funny. So the singles on this one um, were Black and Blue, and then an important one, Cabo Wabo, because that oh. becomes important for Sammy Hagar, as we yeah. know, with his tequila and cantina and, like, his whole other brand. Um, feels so good. Finish what you started in Mine All Mine. And this album also went to number one, so that's two in a row. So they had the n- success of 1984 with David Lee Roth, and then their next two albums with Hagar went to number one. So it's looking pretty good. Yeah. It's gone pretty well. Yeah. And... So the next one is called For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, and that was in 1991, and the acronym for that is F-U-C-K, so <laughs> he really wanted to name it, yeah, he wanted to name it fuck, but he, they were like, you can't, you can't do that. And it was after this that, of course, Sammy Hagar leaves now. So, well, it's not clear if he leaves or was fired, but there was a dispute in the summer of 96 when he was like, hey, I'm tired, and he's got like, you know newborn kid and stuff and they're ready to get back to work and you need to figure out do you want that or the band he's like whoa we need we can just take some time and so it's different accounts again like whether he quit or was fired but either way he's gone and david lee roth comes back just for a hot minute (laughs) just for a hot minute to work with van halen a little bit on a couple of songs for their compilation album that they're going to release and it makes hagar even more upset with them because they're like Oh, so I say no, and then you're just going to go knock on his door and go back to him. So, and he's quoted as saying, like, that's worse than sleeping with the enemy. Like, that's how awful, like, tension is here. Like, this is not just like a, oh, you went with him for a while, and now I'm back. It's like, they just, like, hate each other, these two. Well, I mean, a lot of them, not just those two. Right. And so the next album, the 11th album, I thought was really interesting because I did not know until researching this that gary sharon um the lead singer of extreme mm-hmm. was the lead singer for van halen for one album yeah so like i had minute. always yeah he i had known about hagar and david lee roth and that's like i don't know not a joke but like everyone's like oh you know are you a david lee roth van halen fan yeah. or sammy hagar van like, halen which fan? Era? <laughs> yeah and it yeah people took sides for um, sure actually and, i prefer gary sharon <laughs> yeah and 
So on that album, that was actually Michael Anthony's, the bassist's last album with the band, because I mean he plays on three songs, but the rest of it is Eddie playing bass for it, right. and it did not get great reviews. So they went from like pretty big success with David Lee Roth to like huge number one albums with Sammy Hagar, and then to this one with Gary Sharon, and it's not so great. And Gary Sharon was like, if I would have been able to tour with him and kind of like integrate himself with the band then maybe the album would have turned out better but as soon as they like hired him he was like writing songs with them releasing an album which i mean if a band already has so much chemistry and history it's going to be hard to just insert yourself and let's create an album and let's go well it's so different being in the studio and creating a studio album versus like a live show live performance and Mm -hmm. like how good they are live and just like captivating and that way Mm -hmm. whenever you listen to the the album you're like picturing in your head the live performance and mm-hmm. so for him to not have it kind of he's like he had he was an underdog anyway yeah and so that was in 1998 and then things kind of like stopped for a while for van halen and i thought it was so funny so in 2002 sammy hagar and david lee roth go on a tour together <laughs> their tour is called song for song the heavyweight champs of rock and roll and it's a co-headlining tour between them two. It's not Van Halen. It's just them two. And they're going to be playing Van Halen songs. And these two have like such rivalry that they are flipping coins to see who's going to headline first. And then every other night switching off who's starting, who's not. And yeah. they're singing their songs from their time in Van Halen and things like that. But it's... It, of course, I wasn't there, obviously, mm-hmm. but watching these videos, reading these articles, it seemed like Sammy Hagar was kind of cool with, at some points, he was ready to, you know, extend the olive branch, and David Lee Roth was like, yeah, let's do it, and then just like, no. Like, David Lee Roth's ego just would not allow it. Yeah, they and were both, like, super egotistical, right? Just yeah, it definitely seems like David Lee Roth was, like, the yeah. bigger ego problem, but Sammy Hagar you know, did still have an ego problem, I would assume, because after reading some of this stuff, it'd be hard, I guess, not to anyways. Um, So the tour was sometimes nicknamed Sans Halen or Sam and Dave, but I thought the Sans Halen was pretty funny. (laughs) And uh, Sammy Hagar was like, yeah, in some way, like this is still when they're kind of trying to get along and sell it to the public. Like, you know, it's us two going out on the road. And he's like, we or David Lee Roth said this. He said, we're, we're like brothers who went through the same shitty hazing, like in the band, like, yeah. that they both went through it and struggled through mm-hmm. it with the Van Halen brothers and all that. And one thing that's going to be interesting to note, though, is the bassist um, that I said was only a little bit on that last album. He's every time Sammy Hagar plays, he's out on stage with him, not with David Lee Roth. So he's like, oh, coming on out this tour. And, yeah. And yeah, and so that kind of becomes a pattern later on because to this day, they're playing music together in a different band, but Michael Anthony and Sammy Hagar are still playing music together, which I'll touch on in a minute. So in in 2004, Sammy Hagar reunites with Van Halen and tours with them, and Eddie and Sammy try to put their differences and tension aside, but it doesn't work out so well, and Eddie has still like alcohol abuse and all this other stuff going on. So Hagar's like, that made it way harder because he didn't want to be performing and doing all that while Eddie was like that. So it didn't make things better. Like they're trying to bury the hatchet. And I mean, in any situation, alcohol is 
abuse isn't going to make anything better. So it just made that even harder to do. Right. In 2006, Michael Anthony's officially out of the band. And this is where the crazy, one of the crazy parts is Eddie Van Halen's son, Wolfgang Van Halen, becomes the bassist of Van Halen. And he's only at that time 16. But when they go on tour for the reunion tour, he's 17 years old, touring with his dad, his uncle, and David Lee Roth. And he's become the bassist from this like legendary band. So if that's not yeah. nepotism, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I know. But that's and, uh, Valerie Bertinelli, right? Is his mom? Yeah, they, they were married for a long time. Um, they're not still married, but they were married for a good chunk of time there. Um, and they were inducted into the Hall of Fa- the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007. The Van Halen brothers didn't go because of Eddie's health. He had um, cancer and some other stuff going on. And David Lee Roth was supposed to perform with Velvet Revolver. But there's a conflict about what song they were going to sing. So Roth was just like a no-show. So yeah. the two people who did show up, Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony, the bassist and the former lead singer, they're not even in the band anymore. And they're the ones like accepting the, re- the award mm-hmm. or like the you know, not, not accepting the award, but um, being inducted and like the honor, accepting the honor, I guess. Right. I thought it was. But that like, we've talked about that before. Like whenever a band is inducted into the into a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like it it's not just the current members. It could be also like past mm-hmm. members who contributed to albums or their yeah. um, notoriety. So yeah, it's they just were, funny that yeah. the two that aren't at all currently are the only ones right. who did. Yeah. Right. But they were and also, so, but they were inducted, right? As part of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They okay. were okay. still But they included, just currently just, weren't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, in 2012, they did release a, an album together. Um, it did well. I mean, not, anywhere like the number ones or anything but um it was reviewed well and everything and so and who was that now that sammy hagar and michael anthony uh, david lee roth oh david lee roth and sammy and hagar with van halen oh okay no, sorry david lee roth with van halen and gotcha released a different kind of truth mm-hmm. um in 2012 okay and so it's almost the original band except wolfgang is with michael and in, instead of michael anthony gotcha so the sun and this ends up being like their last tour together and so david lee roth kind of like went on his own as far as like he did his own band his own book a vegas show he did a hour-long music video called no holds barbecue and it was just like really weird really out there which kind of matches with like some of the weirder stuff and like the stuff that made him such a good lead man in the beginning of Van Halen, like his his fun and out there kind of Energetic, look and yeah. Ener- yeah, energy. But now on his own, out of nowhere, it just sounds like oh, some, something's weird or like off there. Um, so, yeah, so that got kind of strange. He um, played lots of the Van Halen hits when he wasn't with them. He was like kind of touring here and there. Um, he opened with Kiss, actually, but Gene Simmons dropped him and that was in like 2020 and 2021 and they said like oh he's past his prime like nah oh yeah this is kiss saying <laughs> yeah that somebody has passed their prime i mean yeah after i watched one where i was like yeah i mean i could see it yeah, yeah. um and then he actually just announced he would retire after playing a vegas residency at mandalay bay which ended this past january of oh, 2022 i've stayed um, there i think 
as a child. Oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> um, I haven't been to Vegas as an adult, and I really want to go. But Oh, it was fun. I was actually going to yeah. talk about that in a minute. Um, okay. So Eddie Van Halen was married to Valerie, Valerie Bertinelli, 1981 to 2005, so it was for a long time. He did remarry in 2009, um, but he, at in the later part of his life, had tongue cancer, throat and lung cancer. Um, at 65, he died of a stroke at, in October 2020. Yeah, I remember when that news yeah. broke. I didn't, I didn't remember what he died of. I just remember, like, the Eddie Van Halen articles and tributes everywhere um, at that time. Um, Alex Van Halen is a much more private person. Um, he was married three times. He is an ordained minister and was the officiant. Officiant? Officiant. Mm-hmm. Officiant. It sounds weird. Officiant. It sounds like I'm saying it with the E. Yeah, not E-F-I. efficient. Officiant. Of Officiant of Eddie's second wedding and, and of Valerie's second wedding. So things oh. were amicable. With right, yeah. Valerie Bertinelli. Um, Sammy Hagar, as we kind of touched on a second ago, um, he has the Cabo Wabo tequila brand and the cantina and the different bars, the Sammy Hagar's bar and grill, beach bar and grill locations, tons of that. And then to kind of piggyback on that, Michael Anthony and him kept going in different bands. And so they, they were part of, okay, there's a few here, a band. These are all, con- two of them are considered super groups. Um, Planet Us, which had Sammy Hagar, Joe Satriani, and journeys neil sean and dean castronovo both from the band journey and they he they were michael anthony and sammy hagar were also part of chicken foot which i thought was funny for um our time at horizon bay (laughs) or domino's game with our 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 friend lois yeah we used to Um, whenever we were in college we lived right next door to a um, assisted living facility and we could squeeze through the fence between the two of them so we didn't have to walk all the way around. Mm-hmm. And we started volunteering there, um, calling bingo. And, or, yeah, I guess we started volunteering, mm-hmm. calling bingo, and then it, we made friends with them. And I think both of us agreed, like, our our college years, like, some of the best friends we made were at Horizon Bay. And they yes. were just such awesome people mostly women um there was one man (laughs) named john who was like the local stud (laughs) he did not want to be the local stud but all the women liked him and um yeah we we made friends with a couple of special ladies and um we would go there and play chicken foot with them and we would go hang out with the lois and she actually gave us she gifted us um, she used to do paintings and so she gifted mm-hmm. us some paintings she had so many and she let us pick a couple out and I have two of her paintings hanging in my kitchen um, and then she also mm-hmm. wrote a, a poem about us which <laughs> was so sweet and I have that framed as well but when she wrote the poem she wrote it um, Victoria and Adrian <laughs> <laughs> And you told her several times over the over the two years we knew her. Yes, she would always call you Adrian. But you know what? It was special, and it still is special, and it's framed, and I love it. And I also have a cross stitch or stitch work framed yeah, embroidery. by embroidery by our friend Marcella, 
who, mm-hmm. when we first met Marcella, do you remember we thought she was like the biggest bitch? <laughs> like, yeah, because she... when we started calling bingo, mind you, in our head, we're like, okay, bingo, five in a row this way or five in a row that way. We and didn't they, know that much I mean, about we, it. we signed up. <laughs> it was just like, you know, roll the little, I don't even know what that's called, but the, the little, little wheel basket. that has the little bingo. Yeah. yeah. And call them. So that's what we're doing. And we're there for an hour. So this does not take long to do one game. We're just going over and over and over. And I think, that, don't they win like quarters or something? Yeah, I they won a quarter per game. Mm-hmm. And so we're just going over and over. And this is weeks. We went every Monday and Wednesday for an hour. Yep. And weeks of this where we're just calling bingo. Okay, clear your cards. There was a winner again. And Marcella is the first one. This is before we had like really, really made friends with them. She... <laughs> stands up and she's like this is bullshit they just keep calling you regular bingo and we're like what and it's like a room full of mostly old ladies i don't remember if john's playing that i think no, he sometimes sweet bingo so. yeah. but she just stood up and was like this is bullshit this is bullshit and she just left and we we're like what and then one of the ladies that was closer to us and i don't remember who it was that said it i, I don't think it was probably one of the like dolores yeah she um she was like, well, um, we really like to play different kinds of bingo, like, you know, make a T or yeah, Texas make tea. an X mm-hmm. and make this. And we were like, oh, um, that makes sense. We didn't know. And blackout. I mean, blackout. Oh, God. Yes. they won four quarters. I remember yes, that. Blackout, they would win a yeah. dollar. That was the last game of the session. But we didn't know. And she was just like pissed that we yeah. were only playing the regular bingo and she ended up being one of our favorites and she like <laughs> andrea got a haircut once <laughs> she got bangs and andrea's like self-conscious about him she's like how do they look and i was like oh they look nice and i i, I do i stand by that i thought they looked nice Thanks. and <laughs> we went and i don't think you even asked i think marcella nope. was just like she just gave those things look awful <laughs> andrea was like okay thank you she's also and the same one that if i had like dark colored nail polish she's like your nails look like shit <laughs> like yeah she cool. was so funny and blunt <laughs> and just the but also the sweetest like yeah. she would laugh and she'd ask us questions and there was a few times after college we went to go visit and we like went to yes. her room and she like talked to us and mm-hmm. you know we updated her on what's going on with us but she mm-hmm. also was just like didn't give a shit if she was gonna hurt your feelings no and, and she was, was the, the best. i think her daughter would come because she also like would sometimes oh, yeah. not like the food in the cafeteria mm-hmm. that they served and she <laughs> yeah. was like this is shit and so her daughter would come and like take her to mcdonald's <laughs> so she didn't have yeah. to eat the cat which i didn't she actually went to vegas a lot yeah remember that Marcella yeah would go she to did vegas a lot. yeah mm-hmm. um <laughs> oh to make up for like not knowing the rules of the game at first we did this really cool thing where we had like a theme and we we thought we were being like really sweet and we went and bought like um all this cool stuff at like the dollar tree and like oh, yeah. uh, bags and like because uh, they each had their own like apartment so it wasn't just little room they had like a kitchenette and they had um, like their own little living quarters and so we would get like little kitchen accessories and um, hand towels and stuff like that and we would have those be prizes or they could choose a quarter and like sometimes when they chose a quarter and we had like a bunch of prizes left we were like oh <laughs> they didn't <laughs> like our prizes yeah, but they I loved stuffed that. animals remember whenever Lloyd Jean would bring out the stuffed animals and like the little ones that they could tie on like their walkers and stuff oh and, yeah 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 and they would love those and they were really cute 
yeah it was but, it was a fun time back to Van oh, Halen um, music that they yeah. probably hated <laughs> uh Sammy Hagar Michael Anthony were also part of or right now they're part of Sammy Hagar and the Circle and they just finished um touring at the Strat in Vegas and the Ryman or they had a they had a show at the Ryman and I I went to both of those in the last like four months. I was oh, at the nice. Strat for a friend's wedding. Um, so I think I missed them by like a couple weeks. It turns out when I went back and looked at like the timing, I think I was there like a week or two off from when they were performing. And then I went to go, I went to Nashville to see um, Rustin Kelly. And I have a list of places I want to see, go to a concert, like in the country, in our country, in, in our country, in, in our country, in the U.S., just like all over the States. And the Ryman was one of them. And so I'm like really excited that I got to check that off the list because that was right. the original Grand Ole Opry. So uh. they performed there recently. And Wolfgang Van Halen is 31 years what old. What a name. I know. Um, his like Twitter and stuff is Wolf Van Halen. Okay. But still cool. Um, he is the band mammoth wvh so like kind of a tribute to his dad with mammoth oh, okay, okay but wvh for his initials and he is vocals guitars bass drums and keyboard and so you gotta watch yeah i gotta show you one of the or the music video it's like him just playing all the different instruments and it sounds really good and he was nominated for a grammy a few couple months ago actually he didn't win but he was nominated um and he just he's really talented like well, I understand, I mean, he should be. <laughs> well, yeah, point. and his dad yeah. chose him to be in the band, so he yeah. must have been able to hold his own. Um, so yeah, my one-hit wonder is "Video Killed the Radio Star" <gasps> by oh. the Buggles, the Video British new wave synth pop band. Yeah, they um, hit only forty in the U.S., which surprised me. But they topped sixteen in other countries. But they were the very first music video on MTV at twelve oh one a.m. On August 1st, 1981. Yes. So I thought that... I knew that. And I just I remember really that. cool. Yeah, because video killed the radio star. Yeah. It's like how appropriate for yeah, that to be the just, first. It makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. So that's a good one. Good one hit wonder. Good job. Thanks. We'll catch you next time. Until then, rock out and ramble on. <laughs>